Hello and welcome to the Fertility and Femtech podcast, brought to you by Zonas, where we aim to educate you on all taboo topics in women's health. You can learn more on our YouTube channel or at yourzonas.com. Hello, I'm Dr. Benito Rattan. Today I've got with me Dr. Arena Bernard, and we are talking all things women's health. And today's video is all about period pains. Why do we get them? Uh, what we can do about it? Mistakes that people make? Um, so if that sounds good to you, please give me a thumbs up and we will dive right in. So my first question is, what are the different types of period pain? Um, for me, I personally tend to feel majority of the pain on day one. Mm. Um, that's when I bleed the heaviest. Um, I, I go really white. <laughs> I'm basically hemorrhaging. Mm. <laughs> and uh, I'm just not in a, in a good mood. It's, it's, a, it's a pretty difficult day for me that day. Yeah. Uh, but what, what are the different types of period pain? Yeah, okay, fine. So period pain is a massive issue and most women, in fact almost all women, will, will experience some kind of discomfort during their period, and if not during their period, but perhaps in the, the upcoming days before their period, which is during the luteal phase, also known as premenstrual syndrome, and that's a time when you can get some uncomfortable symptoms. So talking about period pain, medically we call it as dysmenorrhea, and you have two types, you have primary, which is the first type, or you have secondary. Most people in, the, in society will have primary, and that's the type of pain you get when you just start your period. So this will start in your 20s, in your teenage years, and it's just as you ex explained, it's usually on the first day of your cycle, or some days before, and this is just something that some people are a little bit more sensitive to, other people may not be as sensitive to. And then the second type is secondary dysmenorrhea, and this is something that occurs a bit later on in life so you may have normal periods they may not ever affect you and then suddenly one day you get really extreme period pain and this is usually a sign of something underlying so there's a secondary cause for it so things like endometriosis fibroids and um, there's lots of different reasons as to why you have period pain and this is something we'd like to investigate and so we may do a scan we might do um, some blood tests to support any diagnosis and this is something that's less common and can occur usually like towards 30s or 40s Generally, period pain gets better with age, but of course it depends on, on what the cause is. Yeah. Okay, yeah, that, uh, that actually makes a lot of sense. Mm. So other than period pains, what other red flag sy symptoms can mm. you get? Yeah, okay, so that's really important. So we need to be talking about what symptoms are normal yeah. and what are red flag symptoms. Okay. So red flag symptoms we need to know about, doctors need to know about, and we want you to come and talk to us if you have any key red flag symptoms. So let's first talk about what's normal and what's not, what's not normal. Yeah. Normal symptoms are, so period pains, usually in the lower abdomen, radiating to the back, sometimes down towards your thighs and your upper, upper legs. You can also get some nausea, some vomiting type symptoms. And then before your period, you may get some breast tenderness. You might feel a bit sick and bloated. Uh, you might be moody. That's really common, some mood yeah. changes. As you probably have all appreciated and experienced, exactly. I definitely have. Do you so, think it's worth doing the teenage years? So this is the other thing I'm hearing from a lot of the mums is well my daughter's eight but the other mums have got kids that are a little bit older mm. and you know at 13 14 when they're starting to go through their period do you think that mood swings are harder to manage at that age do you think they're more extreme than they are in your 20s and 30s or do you think we just get better at managing our mood oh no 100% you know when you go through puberty it's one of the life-changing events that young girls go through your hormones are all over the shop they're not regulated yeah. they're sky high and and as young girls you don't always know how to deal with yeah. 
this major change that's going through through your body um, and it can affect every part of your body not only your, your periods but how you feel about yourself how you look how it can make you a bit bigger it can make your breasts bigger uh, it can affect your skin there's so many changes mentally and physically so um actually no it is a quite a traumatic time for, for so many children i think that's the right word um, I think and it's they're not children time. they're not yeah. even children they're yeah. young adults yeah so uh, we shouldn't belittle them because yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. A, it's a big, it's a big life-changing event that they're going through. How do you talk about this with your child? Like, I'm always thinking, I don't want to do the typical parenting where you know you just tell your kid to get on with it and you sort of, you know, maybe don't give it its due respect. Because mm. I think for me, I would want my child to first of all feel confident and comfortable to come to me and say, "Mom, like this is what's happening, and mm. I need a hug, and I feel so sad, and mm. I." I don't understand what's going on because truly, you know, I I have one phrase that I say to my husband. I say, I feel so sad and I don't know why. And he knows my period is about to happen. And, but it's like yeah. a kind of sadness that's so deep yeah. that it just, and everything's going really well in your life. And there's sadness inside you and you just can't, it doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Um, and I think we didn't discuss this. I think as a kid, definitely, this was not a conversation. You know, you'd just be sitting there crying, and your parent would just tell you to keep quiet. I wasn't like, let's have an open discussion about, you know, how you're yeah. feeling. Yeah. So, how do we communicate to our children? We know just how difficult it is. Everything is changing your life. I can't even imagine. I can't yeah. even remember just how bad yeah. it was. Yeah, yeah. You're crying one second. You're slamming the door the next second. You're boiling your eyes out the yeah. next second. Yeah, no. Um, I, I think you've you banged it on the head because actually this is seen to be a taboo topic. Yeah. We, our parents perhaps didn't talk to us about it, but we need to be having an open conversation about it. And and um, when I started YouTube, I thought you know what this is what we need to be talking about. We need to get to the heart of these really taboo, stigmatizing topics yeah. that no one wants to talk about. Who wants to talk about their period no yeah. one does yeah. um so actually having an open conversation and actually saying you know what we've all been through this yeah. and it is a really difficult situation and i really understand what you're going through and i know it's a hard time so you know yeah. what i'm here if you yeah. want to talk about it yeah. and it's it's actually just as simple as just having that conversation mm. and, and saying that to them yeah you're yeah. right i think honestly i think when you say look i've been through that I know how horrible it is. It's awful. You yeah. feel so sad. You don't know what to do with yourself. You just want to cry. Yeah. Um, I've been there and I'm here. Like, you can come and cry on me. Mm -hmm. um, like, we've all been through it. And you can literally go to any mum and they've all been through it. You can mm -hmm. cry on anyone's shoulder and you aren't alone. We are actually, we've all been through it. We're all going to go through it and it's yeah. completely normal. Yeah. I think that is actually a really comforting thing for a 13 year old to hear. Yes. We definitely need to talk more about teenagers and mm -hmm. psychology for teenagers, I think, in another video. Mm -hmm. But let's get back to period pains. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, so um, we actually didn't, yeah. I didn't actually tell you the okay. key red flags. Okay, that women, women, you need to know about these key red flags. We went on like a little yeah, different top, topic altogether. <laughs> but red flag symptoms that I really want you to just take away from this video are any abnormal bleeding. So that's bleeding when you're not on your period, but in between your cycle. Any abnormal discharge, anything yellow, green, smells a bit fishy, we need to know about. Any bleeding after sexual intercourse. So as soon as you've had sexual intercourse, if you notice any bleeding, any spotting, we need to know about it. Um, because we need to think about things like underlying causes like cancer, or if there's any STI, okay. any problems with the cervix. So, so those are some of the key symptoms that I want you to let us know about. Actually, really good information. Mm -hmm. So I have noticed that some of my friends uh, you know, don't really go through as much pain as I might, might do, and other people might go through even more than I do. Mm. Why does it vary so much? 
Yeah, no, that's such a good question. So we're going to go into a little science lesson. So if you're interested in science, great. But Everyone if, here is interested in even science. Even if you're not, I'll keep it as simple <laughs> as possible. So we, a lot of people get period pains and some people are more affected than others. And the reason for why we're actually getting the pain is because we are bleeding on a monthly basis. And what happens in your body when you're bleeding? Well, your body secretes some chemicals known as prostaglandins. And these are chemicals that do lots of different things in the body. But during your monthly cycle, they go to the muscle in your womb and they're causing a contraction. And the muscle is really squeezing to get the lining of your womb out. The lining of your womb is what is your bleed every month. And those prostaglandins are causing contraction in your womb. So similar to when you go to the gym and you pump some weights, you're contracting your muscle and it's squeezing. So that's, that same thing happens to your womb. And some people have more prostaglandins that are released than others. Some people have wombs that are more sensitive to the prostaglandins than others. Right. And it's that contraction that's causing the pain that's referred to the back, to the tummy, down the thighs. So that's why some people are really affected by them and yeah. others aren't yeah. and that leads on to some of the treatments that we can give for it and there is lots of research uh, going into the particular types of prostaglandins that are more painful and that and why some people have more of um this particular concentration of prostaglandins it's a really exciting wow. space if yeah. you know it's something you're interested in yeah. but that's actually where lots of treatments are being targeted okay Right, right. So the other then the flip side of that mm. is if you have a very heavy day one period mm. where presumably your womb is contracting more than somebody else who maybe has who bleeds over you know five days or seven days, yeah. do you think there's a correlation between how heavily you bleed and pain? Um, well, I, I think that's a difficult one to answer because there's so many causes mm. for heavy heavy bleeding okay. and that does lead on to the second the secondary dysmenorrhea that we spoke about so some people just have painful periods and yeah. some people have painful periods for an underlying reason okay. so if you have fibroids endometriosis you have an underlying gynecological issue that we can help you with that we may have to treat surgically or medically and, and those can not only influence the pain that you're experiencing but also how heavy your bleed will be yeah. so we know women with fibroids will have heavier bleeds right. and particularly if you look at all the women in the population there are some subsections of the population that will have an increased risk of fibroids so we know yeah. afro-caribbean ladies have do suffer with this yeah. uh, we know that asian ladies will suffer with things like polycystic ovarian syndrome and by educating you know these subsets of the population we can help you know cater to those particular women so we yeah. can give them targeted treatments so um yeah it's difficult to answer yeah. whether it's if it's related all the additional things, the additional things that it could yeah. be exactly. so what would be the best pain relief that you would recommend yeah okay fine so number one thing that we would always suggest for uh, period pain is a non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drug now non-steroidal anti-inflammatory drugs also known as ibuprofen um, is a really common medication but the reason why it works is because it acts directly on that prostaglandin so we are literally getting rid of those prostaglandins that are causing that contraction in the womb and are causing the pain yeah. Now, if that's just not cutting it for you and it's just not helping, which of course in so many women it doesn't, <laughs> you can ask for something that's more targeted to the womb and that's something called methanoic acid. So it's a different type of non-steroidal anti-inflammatory okay. drug. You can, you can get it from your doctor and it's excellent with helping uh, pelvic pain. And then there's also sort of lifestyle things that help to reduce the prostaglandin. So heat, hot water bottles are always my savior. Yeah. I used to keep them with me all the time when I knew I was about to start my period because yeah. it's excellent. You just keep it there and it reduces that contraction, yeah. which causes the pain. 
one really strange thing for me is running really helps. Uh, I don't know why. Is there a reason for that? Why yes. does running help so yes. much? Yes. So exercise yeah. is, there's proven evidence to okay. show that exercise reduces pain. Okay. And that's because we are increasing our happy hormone, wow. our endorphins, our serotonin, and that deregulates our wow. pain, not only our pain hormones, but also our pain receptors. So it actually, we're increasing the happy hormone that reduces that pain. And that's just why yeah. how lifestyle can have such a massive influence, massive influence on not only your physical health, but your mental health and just yeah. giving you a holistic um, approach to a better life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think, um, I don't know about you, but growing up, like exercise really wasn't a instilled. <laughs> it's like study, 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 study. <laughs> you're sitting there, you're not going out, you're not running, you're not doing anything. But actually, with the next generation, I feel yeah. like exercise is number one. Yeah. Literally put exercise and education simultaneously. That's what I do with my children. Yeah. It really is. Okay, have you been running? Although Josh is lazy. It's like tutor the kid. The they get away with they, more. Yeah, they get away with more. <laughs> they are, just do everything less. <laughs> Sienna yeah. was a little, like very different. <laughs> but anyway, that's, um, by the by. <laughs> yeah, no, you're, you're right. We do need to exercise. And the reason why it's so important is because we have all these problems in the world. You know, we've just come out, come through the COVID pandemic, yeah. but we're actually dealing with an even bigger pandemic, which is obesity. Yeah. And we know that obesity has such a big impact on not only our fertility, yeah. but also so many other conditions like your cardiovascular health, type 2 diabetes, heart issues, yeah. blood pressure. And so we need to be instilling exercise, you know, from yeah. a young age, healthy eating. Yeah. Um, Do you think yeah. this is an Asian thing though, like South Asian thing? Like, I don't know about you, but mm. did you, were your parents very much into healthy eating, healthy mm. like exercise? Like, was this part of your growing up or was it something you did later on by yourself? Yeah, it's interesting. So like, my parents have always very much been into yoga yeah. so you know that's not only great for stress relief but yeah. it helps with your flexibility yeah. and your movement but things like aerobic exercise yeah. you, you just do it at school we sort of and did so, it later didn't we like and, and i felt actually yeah. the exercise for me was like my release yeah so it just if i had a stressful day I knew like I'd either just go to sleep and be like really depressed or just like yeah. slump in front of the TV yeah. or I could just go to the gym and it would make me feel like re-energized right. I feel like you know what I need to do this for me because it just gets that stress but that's like, later like at 8 16 18 right like gym gym is like gym yeah later, yeah right? I did that bit later and then at school I was sort of doing like netball right. and, and that's more of a social thing you don't yeah. think oh you know I'm gonna do netball because it's gonna Make increase my growth <laughs> you don't think that you're like oh well, all my friends go so let's go play netball um so but she had good hand-eye coordination <laughs> so no one picked me for the netball team <laughs> It's okay, it's okay. We, we developed. <laughs> we had to practice. <laughs> Do you know what? Thank God. Like, we both dance, so dancing became, I think, mm, a really yeah. big outlet. So, yeah. this is our Bhangra dancer. <laughs> I'm like, a classic arm. Yeah. <laughs> this, I think, was like the only sort of like exercise yeah. that we had as a kid. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, I do think the next generation have it better because we're more educated. It's just mm. a slightly different priorities, I think. Yeah, 100%. And my last question is, if all of the pain relief that we've discussed so far doesn't work, mm. what are the other options? Mm, mm, yeah, so of course for many people, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories don't always work. Yeah. So we need to think about what is a more sort of sustainable type of medication that can help you. Now, splitting it into primary and secondary, so if it's a primary dysmenorrhea, so the type of period pain that's the most common, uh, there's no underlying reason, then we can think about hormonal uh, types of treatment. So yeah. you have the combined oral contraceptive pill or the combined patch or we also have the progesterone only. So that the progesterone only is not only a pill but you can also think about it as a coil. And these all work in different ways. 
but in essence, they all just stop your period. And so if we're stopping the period, then we are uh, not having that constant contraction and the bleed. Okay. Now, if you have an underlying issue, so fibroids, endometriosis, the treatment will differ slightly. So if it's endometriosis, we'd have to first think about medical options. So the pill, uh, uh, marina coil and I have done a video on um, endometriosis but if you are you know that just doesn't help the medical treatment then we can think about surgical treatment so that'd be like a laparoscopy where we can actually uh, go in have a look inside your womb okay. so that's like keyhole surgery yeah. and so we have a look inside the womb see where the end where the endometriosis is and we can actually remove that okay. and by removing it it's thought to reduce the pain um, and so that, that's thought to be quite effective. So that's um, extreme though, by that point, that must be extreme yeah. agony. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and many women, period pain is a monthly battle. This is not just something yeah. that, you know, it's a bit of pain, it affects yeah. me. It affects it every single, yeah. every single day of their life. And that's yeah. how extreme it can be. And in one in 10 women, they will have this severity of pain where it affects their daily life. Yeah. So we really need to go to all measures to help protect these yeah. women and give them the most support we can, even if it is surgery absolutely yeah so yeah of course it is extreme but if we can get rid of you know the endometriosis or fibroids or you know whatever it is causing the pain then then that can be really effective for women do you feel like women we talk about this enough considering mm. one in ten women mm. i don't feel like one in ten women are telling you about their extreme period pain no, no. is this something that we just hide and we pretend like like embarrassed about or what, what is that do you think that's yeah yeah no as i said it's just not it's so under resourced it's under looked into we're not talking about it there's so much stigma with it we do need to be having an open conversation because it affects so many women and what surprised me is when i'm in my clinics and people tell me about some issues i'm sometimes the first person they've ever, ever told Wow. They don't even tell their partners, they don't tell their children. Wow. And women just endure so much pain yeah. throughout their life and they yeah. just get on with it. Yeah. And and as amazing as women are, yeah. that's not the way to be. If yeah. you've got a problem, we yeah. need to help you, we need yeah. to deal with it. Um, so that's why I think it's so important for us to have a community where we can talk about issues and we can help you. Yeah. Wow, so every time I talk to Ravina, <laughs> she like blows my mind. So thank yeah. you so much for today. I really Pleasure. Enjoyed that. it. Oh. Yeah. Please do write down below any other videos you want me to make with Dr. Rina Bernard.